Justin, you were away. You were at the beach. Yeah, babe. Do you have any beach pro tips for the people at home? Because I feel like beaches, so they can be fraught. You can make all sorts of mistakes at the beach. Yeah. Uh, I have a pretty foolproof beach system. Okay. <laughs> I, surprising no one. I have a foolproof beach system. Is this something you subscribe to? Are we getting a preview? This is, to my, the... this is my exact, this is my exact uh, strategy for okay. beach. Okay. Go down early. Get your spot. How early? Yes. How early are we talking? Nine pre-dawn to ten. Nine. That's not very early. That's yeah, that's early not early. That's okay. Get down. I'm saying early compared to the other people in the house. Okay. Where should the sun be when you get down there? Up in the sky. Okay. You go down to the beach. You get in with the kids first, right away. They're loving it. They're loving it. Two hours later, time for another sunscreen application. The kids yeah. don't want to do that. No, they don't. No. And you you say in like the most like self sacrificial tone you can. I'll take him inside. Uh, that's it. So good. <laughs> oh, wow, that's your beach day right there, baby. And then you fire up the steam deck. You jump into the incredible world of Faerun, and there's your beach. <laughs> so that's amazing because I thought you were gonna say I'll take them inside, and then the kids would be like, No, 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 no we'll let you put on sunscreen. No, but they want to go inside too. Everybody wants to go inside. It's so hot. So out here. hot and so. People don't talk about this. Yeah. The beach is so dirty. It's like sandy. everywhere dirty. there is, you can see dirt. The dirt, the dirt of the ocean, we call sand. It's weird with the dry dirt of the ocean. Yeah, where we're like normally dirt. No, yeah. thank you. No. Yeah, you get, but you get some. Then people talk about like sand between your. T- that's dirt. That's dirt. <laughs> that's like that's, big dirt. Let's that's make not a dirt, small dirt That's big dirt. Let's make a dirt castle. Can we not? <laughs> I don't think so. It's everywhere, man. This sand. I'm only out there. I, I'm at the beach at 90 minutes max, and I'm still got this stuff everywhere. Every cr- crevasse. I think you're doing it right. Yeah, man. I mean, Baronic gonna save itself, you know. Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy. I know the best game of the week. My name is Russ Freshman. I know the best game of the week. And Chris Plan is out on assignment. He's at uh, Mario's house trying to <laughs> uncover whatever's going on there. Uh, so good luck to him. And uh, good luck to us because we're going to talk about this game. Uh, Hammer Watch, was it? Well, it was. We'll get into that. Hammerwatch Two is the game that we discussed discussing this week. Uh, but I think we're probably going to spend most of our time talking about Baldur's Gate Three again because Justin wasn't here for the last one. Yeah, and everybody is still talking about it and playing it, and so we're going to get into that. Uh, you already know what Baldur's Gate Three is. So we're not going to describe it again. We're just going to take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Y'all. You already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have, and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties who like steered the show while i was gone who was like the justin i usually step yeah, into that role um, i've never would never 
This is this is what's tough about this conversation. Yeah, you I should have listened to the episode. Team. Would never in a million years. I mean, not the thought wouldn't have even crossed my mind to listen to you guys and what you said about it. Oh, it didn't that's even interesting. Like, pa- not even a passing thought. Huh. Okay. Well, that would have been probably great for just to have another conversation about it. Well, I okay. I guess it, I guess what we can do it. is just Russ and I. If you start to say something we said last week, we just start shrieking at you. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> just start making a loud sort of clacks. I have a dog uh, clicker for this very purpose. So okay. that's perfect. That's good. Um, okay. Let's let's talk about Hammerwatch two because we we discussed uh, last week making that the sort of main game. If you're not familiar with the franchise, and I imagine there's quite a few people out there who are not because it's, you know, kind of a indie darling, uh, Hammerwatch is a, a gauntlet-inspired uh, sort of a- multiplayer co-op action game. It's in the, very in the gauntlet, gauntlet. Yeah, and that's sort of very, very uh, simple hack-and-slash dungeon divey sort Top of down pixel art tons yeah. of monsters coming at you out of like monster spawners that you need to like whittle your it's way fun, down man. It's, it's fun, fun. man it's, it's fun old, it's pretty old school not yeah. a lot like it's it's very harkening back to a certain era but very well tuned yes say. uh hey hammer watch was very much just sort of that just straightforward but you know beat up on some monsters with your butts heroes of hammer watch took that format and did a roguelite sort of uh, multiplayer experience with it. And that just sang, baby. That was good shit. That is one of my favorite games on the Switch, period. I go back and play it a lot because it, it, the idea of a hack and slash multiplayer sort of thing where your characters you know, are, are progressive. There's lots of different things to unlock. You have this town you're upgrading. There's these huge DLC expansions that add a ton. I've put probably over a hundred hours into this, into this game and have not like cracked. Like there's one entire DLC thing that I haven't even gotten to yet. Did, uh, did you mention though, for both of these, the graphics is trash. Like, no, they, they're not. Oh, the graphics no, are very good. Pixel it. art. Um, they're gorgeous. Pixel art. I love the pixel gorgeous, art. gorgeous pixel art. Um, <laughs> yeah. Reminds so, me of low G man. It's good. <laughs> so it looks so much better than low G man. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, it I love Heroes of Hammerwatch. I liked Hammerwatch one a lot because it just did this one thing very well. I didn't realize you played the original Hammerwatch. Uh, yeah, I, I played, didn't realize it was an original Hammerwatch. I kind of picked it up at Heroes of Hammerwatch. I think I think that's I think that's a fine way to do it. Yeah, I think that that if you have not, if you've not played Heroes of Hammerwatch, you can get it on Switch for uh, I don't know. Or Steam, if yeah, or it's a Steam, great Steam if you want, but game. it is it it is a, a a very good portable sort of game. Yeah. Um, Hammer Watch Two came out this week. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. I know Russ has as well. It is the most baffling game oh, that me, I can remember playing in a in a grip. Can I just try to like breeze? Through. Yeah, sure. Because again, we're not going to, this most of this episode is going to be on Baldur's Gate 3, but we were planning on talking about this game, and I think we weren't super jazzed about spending. I have to get these thoughts out somehow. Okay, it's, real it's, quick. It's, so, th- what yeah. they decided to do, which is not like a terrible idea, is they changed the format of uh, Hammerwatch and Heroes of Hammerwatch into more of an open world uh, RPG, almost like a Diablo 4 or like a Skyrim almost, where you're, instead of just going through dungeons that like go from floor to floor to floor, there's an open world and you go on quests and you do like, you know, various stuff like that. Um, there's I, a day-night cycle. There's yeah. like a billion vendors. There's a story. There's, there's a whole loot system and like rarity and loot and that's all stuff that was never crafting. In. There's all kinds of shit. And and again, take it on the surface, like all this stuff kind of sounds appealing because they're just expanding the game that I really liked. It turns out that I don't particularly enjoy what they turned the game into because they made it into more of there's just like a lot more downtime like previously we were just fucking up monsters very quickly and quite a bit of them and now there's a lot of like oh where do i find the person to talk to to get this quest and then i have to find the cave that they're pointing me to it or not pointing me to or vaguely pointing me to the case yeah yeah so I, i think the core loop is a problem and then on top of that if you wanted to play multiplayer they kind of created an unfortunate multiplayer system where let's say I make a character, uh, like a multiplayer character, 
and I want my buddy to join me and we play for an hour and then I can play solo, still playing that character, but my buddy will never be able to play his character or her character again unless I am already playing. So his character or her character is tied to my save game, which is a baffling decision. I'm sure there were technical reasons that prevented that, but it really discourages like the drop in, drop out stuff that was so good in Heroes of Hammerwatch. They do some stuff to get around it. Like if you join a campaign in progress, like it'll boost you up to be about the level of the thing, the 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 like main character who like yeah. owns the campaign on their local save file. But like there's random matchmaking in the game. I don't know why you would do that to just like hop in with someone and then that character's just gone into the ether as soon as you disconnect from them. Uh, th- there's th- that sucks that like almost is immediately it a fork of your character that it creates no or? no no okay um you have to which start like, a, a character from scratch for yeah. every save game that you join for every other campaign that you join wow. which oh, is to be fair what Baldur's gate 3 does right you, that is correct. that is how Bal- but also On Diablo Baldur- 3 uh, Diablo 4 3 4 Diablo 4 is like that too, right? No, it's not. No. For the new For, for the new seasons, seasons, yes. When you make you a seasonal to... character. But then when the season's over, that character gets folded into the eternal server. So it's 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 not exactly one-to-one. The difference is between this game and Baldur's Gate 3 is that Baldur's Gate 3 is a, a masterpiece. <laughs> and this game is a lot of running around on fetch quests that sometimes just expire randomly uh, without telling you and they don't tell you where to go i don't want to spend a ton of time because i think we've like convinced people that maybe this game is not ready for prime time but i would Mm -hmm. say if you are interested you have two approaches you can take if you're interested in playing like a more multiplayer centric version of this that is like friendlier on the multiplayer side uh heroes of hammerwatch as griffin mentioned is great also on the same day that hammerwatch 2 released they put out Hammerwatch Anniversary Edition, which yes. is just the first game, but it includes all the DLC, and um, they actually included the campaign of Heroes of Hammerwatch in the original Hammerwatch. So if you wanted to experience that loop without having to worry about multiplayer or any of the other stuff, you can do that too. Um, yeah. I went back and played the Anniversary Edition, and I actually found it to be still as enjoyable as I found playing it through the first time. So yeah. if you just want Gauntlet, Play Hammerwatch or Heroes of Hammerwatch. Uh, Hammerwatch 2, I just don't think is... I don't uh, think it it's works, there, man. I don't think you can take Gauntlet and make an open-world RPG. Like, I just don't think there's yeah, enough... It, it, it didn't really work, unfortunately. On the but we are optimistic that Heroes of Hammerwatch 2 will still happen. I would love that, man. Please. Um, okay. Let's, did they fix this? Did they fix what? Could they fix this? I mean, I haven't touched it. Could they fix this to where you guys would get like excited about it? I don't think so. I, I think don't they th- could fix the multiplayer choice of like maybe having, you know, the, uh, right now there's like. stuff feels pretty deep, doesn't it? Deep there's just a lot of problems. But I think the core loop of it, like I just don't want to be walking through an empty field not fighting monsters. That yeah. doesn't appeal to me. Um, so I don't know how you address that problem. Um, you know, Loot they spent a lot also- of time uh, <laughs> adding mod features to this. So you can really like make your own maps and stuff. Or the community can make their own maps. So maybe the community will like make more traditional Hammerwatch maps, but at that point, just play the original Hammerwatch. Yeah, loot so. is also not instanced. So, like, you're competing for loot if you're playing multiplayer. <laughs> I oh, did man, hear that that will really be... I heard that will be addressed. The loot thing will be addressed. Bosses and, don't respawn. You just get to yeah. fight the boss the one time, and so, like, if it drops a cool thing... <laughs> Yeah, it, okay. Well, 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 I don't. I really don't want to. I, I. I think I we've, love done this franchise. we've done this franchise. I'm hugely disappointed in this one, but let's let's rock. What was that bummer watch too? Let's not let's talk over Justin's bummer watch. Oh, two. sorry. So go. Ahead, uh, this is turning into bummer watch too. There Thank it you, is. Thank yeah, you. There that's good. Good. Um, um, all right, Juice BG three. Where are you at? Yeah, Baldur's Gate three. Uh, I've played about I guess about fifteen hours or so. Uh, I am. So you've made a character. I made a character. I'm poking around i just picked one of the characters they already had you did an origin character oh yeah why wouldn't i i mean they they're better at it than i am they're professionals which one did you pick why would i think that i will okay justin you're a professional you're a professional tabletop game like a point yeah which means that if you want me to create a character you better pay me yeah fair i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it for free for myself you know I'm, i'm a pro no uh i just picked one of the origin characters i feel like i don't know they 
uh, no shit. I have like D and D character creation fatigue. Like yeah. I'm just not interested in doing it. So I just picked one of the origin characters cause they, uh, they had like a cool story and he was like, he seemed like an interesting dude. Uh, and so I just went with him. He's a warlock, which I have zero experience with warlocks. Uh, unimpressed, by the way, so far with warlocks. I'm sure maybe there's a way to, maybe they get there eventually. But um, as a main, it's a little weird. Um, you can you can respect him though, right? I, I mean, yeah. you can you can go to Withers and change your classes. Um, I man, did you guys talk about Withers? <laughs> Uh, not, not a ton. Uh, I guess yeah. a little Withers bit. Withers is a great as 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 closely as this hues to like D and D. Withers is a really interesting. So he's this old zombie looking fella that lives at your camp. He's just always well. There. Originally, I mean, he lived in a casket, and you found yeah. him. <laughs> oh yeah, right. And then he's just like in your camp, and you roll up on him, and he's like, "Hey, um, don't be weird about this, but I can bring people back from the dead for two hundred bucks." Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> He's like, play it cool. I can bring back people for the dead for 200 bucks. And you're like, why? And he's like, nope, 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 no, nope, no. Nope. It's not a question thing. It's a <laughs> give me 200 bucks. I'll change your class or bring someone back from the dead. And it's like this great concession to like, hi, my name is Withers. I'm video games. <laughs> like, you do have to do some video game things. So they just made me up and I can bring people back for $200 because like nobody wants someone to stay dead for good. Um, it, they do seem very I, generous I about. You know, I know in traditional D&D, the idea of, like, reviving a character is kind of a no-no. And they do seem very generous about giving you a lot of levers to pull if, like, one of your party members dies, dies, like, fails yeah. saving throws. Yeah. Like, those scrolls and the spells. That can happen quickly. Yeah, yeah, extremely. I was in a fight in the, the Underdark area, which is where I am now, and some big beefy boy just came and shoved me off the bridge right down into a chasm, dead, no questions. Oh, man. No questions asked. I, I have great. to share my favorite part that I've seen. I've played, like, 40 hours of Baldur's Gate 3 at this point. So I was also in the Underdark. Uh, part of my uh, party is Gale, who is like the default wizard uh, companion that you can find or you can, I guess, play as him. Gale, uh, I guess, got a little too close to one of the exploding mushrooms in the Underdark and got sent flying off the edge to his instant death. And then a second later, a hologram of Gale showed up and said, so good. if you're seeing this, I've died. But... <laughs> It's extremely important that you revive me very quickly or else bad things will happen. So I'm going to give you a set of 16 instructions on how to revive me. And then he ex gives you the 16 steps on how to revive him and then asks you to recite them back to him. It's oh God, so, so fucking funny. funny. I had the same thing. I was trying to rescue people from a burning building. <laughs> and Gail just got a, a Gail, Gail blacked out in the booth a little bit. And uh, and then in the middle of this burning building, this hollow Gail appeared and started doing this while just fucking chaos and, you know, uh, flaming wood beams were just falling down all around. It's so um, good. The Okay. Things that I think are interesting about this that they have, I'm sure you guys talked about a lot of this stuff. Like, in terms of D&D, &D, this is a, I mean, if you're looking for, like, how to get into it, there are many worse ways I could think of than playing Baldur's Gate 3 and, like, at least learning, like, basics. Um, because it is really, really well represented here. Um, but the things that I think are interesting where they have brought something over from tabletop games that I think is not in a lot of video games. And that is really making narrative stuff open-ended and non-judgmental in a way that video games don't really do mm. a lot. So give me an example. You have these like weird little tadpoles that live in your head, right? And the nature of these tadpoles is not really like they, they do not pass a like uh, uh, Jedi or Sith filter over it it's very much like i don't know man it seems kind of messed up right but they are giving you power but i don't know it seems kind of weird but it's not it but it's withholding narratively in a way where i feel like tabletop games often are because they're encouraging you to like explore and take a lot of agency yeah and yeah. like games don't necessarily usually want you to have that agency even in open world rpg games i mean i used like uh, Knights of the Republic or or Mass Effect as an example, but like even with those, you're usually 
some judgment is being made about your actions. You're an asshole or you're a good guy. Exactly. And the characters are usually along those same lines. Um, the, where, you know, they're very strict about like, I, I feel this way about this thing. And if you do the different thing, then I don't like you anymore. But it even here has some flexibility in terms of like, well, let me talk to you and build a relationship with you and try to change your opinion about stuff, like yeah. change the way you think about stuff. If we're going to be traveling together, um, which I think is like really cool. The amount of agency almost to like, I think I found kind of overwhelming at first. Like I was looking for those sort of um, those sort of hooks or those sort of like, narrative like clear path you wanted like a nudge in the direction of what the right choice was i guess yeah exactly or like even more of a like understanding the repercussions of your choices which games are big on right they want you to know are you really sure you want to kill this guy because it's gonna be really bad this game will just let you fucking pop somebody mid-convo like no problem pre-comp pre-convo yeah well they also are i think they do i think they're more subtle than almost every game i've ever played about nudging you but they do nudge you so so an example you were talking about the tadpoles and as you're exploring very early in the game you'll find like specimens of these tadpoles that you can basically suck up into your brain and they will be like yeah i'm not sure but if you for example if you were to use one asterian who's like the vampire in your crew will be like hey uh, man uh, i damn i want some of that power indicating that like someone who may not be the most up and up character is like approving of what you're doing, which is to say right. you could maybe infer that it's not the coolest thing in the world to mind trick people into doing what they don't want to do. But um, even that, even that is not like black and white, right? No, like, sure. Asterian, I don't rock with in my party. I, I am more or less saving him for my next playthrough, which is, I don't know, going to be in 2029. Yeah. Uh, at the rate that I'm going through the game now. Um, but even like when he makes a power grab like that, when he like says, I, I just hit a point with him where he's like, hey, listen, like we could take this big bad guy down, right? Like we could do that. Or we could try and take control of this like psychic network that is being created and, um, you know, use it for our own purposes and, you know, try to change things in the world, like make a genuine, huge change in the That's world. like what Batman does, basically. Kind of like what Batman does. And it, it, it was so flabbergasting because it's like, man, the choices you make are not great, Asterian. I do not necessarily meld with them, but it is it is a far fucking cry from, you know, uh, the the devil. Like, it's not, it is yeah. not someone who is... Uh, I mean, the devil is in the game, too. <laughs> the devil is fully in the game, yeah. Um, I, uh... I really thought at the beginning, especially, I needed uh, – and, and this is not necessarily a knock against the game. You're a level one character, right? You kind of suck. Um, but it is tough. it was tough at the beginning for me to accept that, like, I'm going to take – like, especially early on, I'm going to take some losses. I'm going to yeah. lose some hit points. I'm going to use some potions. I'm going to – I'm not going to optimize yeah. each fight. And that was kind of hard for me to get my head around, right? Like I wanted like the exact tactic that would let me avoid, you know. And I know you don't like spending resources. So like I know I I think that is a design decision to be like, no, 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 you got to. Otherwise, this is just never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, But and and what's cool about that is like even in narrative parts, they like I was in a, a field of like exploding mushrooms and I needed to rescue a guy and I uh he had a pack there and I could like. I had a scroll of Misty Step, which is kind of like teleportation, that I could just like chuck to him. Uh-huh. And he used it. And he's like, oh, thanks. That was very chill of you. But like having that resource there, let me, it was like using a narrative, uh, resource narratively, which I thought was very cool. It also has the best, talking about the tadpole still, it has the greatest, like, if you were looking to trap me into doing evil shit, they're like, okay, uh, you have these evil tadpoles. And they're in your brain and they're like a parasite. And it's like, oh, no, that's terrible. And they're like, yeah, they're like mind control shit, dark magic, mind flayers. Even mind flayers are kind of freaked out about it because <laughs> they don't understand them. And they're like, oh, that sounds terrible. And then it's like, also, there's this one menu where you can plug the tadpoles into your brain and give yourself superpowers. And it's like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Come again? Like, 
Oh, the whole menu of my brain where I can plug in the tadpoles to get superpowers. Like, I don't know. That sounds very good and, to me. And they're so good. Like, they're I, really. I good. have not. <laughs> I, I, I one of the times that I did a deep dive back into my quick save history because I I had like three to drop in, and it's like, well, okay, so now you can fucking fly whenever you want. Like, they they are so insanely broken. I was like, there is no way this is not going to come back. Yeah. And completely bone me in the like. I'm I, going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, mm, "I have tentacles now." <laughs> That's wild. Uh, so I went it back. Did, and it did that. help me though. It helped make my playthrough a little less, uh, a little more flexible. Because when I was faced with the moral quandary, like oh, I want to do the right thing, there's this other part of me. It's like you do have four tadpoles in your brain, though, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> you nasty little boy. You like to get a little nasty sometimes. <laughs> Maybe you have some moral flexibility here. So I am um, still a pure boy. I have not. No one in my party has taken any of them inside their brain, mostly because I just want to see how the narrative plays out <laughs> without it. But I do feel. I mean, I just want some sort of like. I want everyone around me to be fucking like all your party members to fucking explode and die while I'm people, just like chilling over here being like a pure little boy. My party won't take them. So it's like, mm, oh, more for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. It's funny. I, I just dipped into a few YouTube videos of like people giving like, hey, here's things to like make sure you're doing to like get the most out of your Baldur's Gate 3 playthrough. And people were like, Walk around with three boxes and then right before every fight, make a stack of them so you could just jump up on the boxes to do like advantage yeah, shots. Like so and that like, person like, sucks you, to play D&D with. You do uh, not need to be doing this. I, I know you can. Good work. You can do that. But like the game is very well designed to allow for you to play like a normal human being and not like a min-maxing freak. I, I did struggle. Okay, this is my biggest struggle with the game. And I this is ma mainly with me. And I don't know... Um, I, 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 it is really hard for me to fight the compulsion to, if I'm in the middle of a fight and you just get that string of bad luck, you know, yeah, what I mean? like yeah. several bad things happen at once and really like bone you in a really bad, like not where it's going to kill you, but it is definitely going to like slow things down and make it like rough for you. It is really hard for me to fight the compulsion to just like quick load and i and i do find that a struggle for myself i don't know how you would solve it and still be like a pleasant experience and i know that this is really about my own restraint but it is hard for me when i'm playing something like this and i know that there are a million different ways something could go especially narratively when it's like i really want to do something with a character right but i need to pass the role to like yeah make it work um that is hard for me i don't know if you guys have struggled I, with that i have found that when there's a role that's like a really t like a 20 plus role and you feel like oh i need to do this role and this is the only way i'm going to be able to like accomplish the thing i'm trying to do is by hitting this role and i'm not talking about a lockpick i'm talking about like like there's a necromancy book in the in act one yeah. that I'm trying to like read to the last page of. And I'm like, fuck, I ended up spending like all of my inspiration points, which allow you to re-roll if you fail, just trying to get to the end of this book thinking like, oh, I'm going to read the end of this book and I'm going to get like a badass spell and it'll be totally worth it. And I succeeded eventually in getting that roll. But the the end result was really just like, OK, you made it to the end. You didn't get like cursed, but there's still more about this book. And I think they're very smart because they really very rarely lock you out of incredible experiences just because you weren't able to do the insane 25 or 30 roll. For so how, where, how have you guys been playing it mainly? Uh, meaning what? Like on what platform? Oh, uh, almost all Steam Deck, but that's only because okay. my wife has dominated oh. my gaming PC. Yeah, I, I do it mostly at my... I, I've done some... Is she playing Steam Baldur's Gate as well? Yeah, she is. Oh, that's fine. I, I have done some on Steam Deck, but I mostly play on my um, on my computer. I would okay. Then I would like to hear your thoughts specifically for you two because I played almost exclusively on Steam Deck, uh, and I got very used to the controller configuration. So I went ahead and you know stuck with that on PC. Um, I think for controller, especially um, inventory management, is a huge bummer. Like yeah. it, it really drag. It that is part of what I think breaks the like min maxing thing for me is like to do it the way that I would like to do it in like the careful sort of thought out way 
where the stakes really matter, I need to be able to like move around equipment and inventory easier. And that part on controller is like is a big bummer. I don't yeah, know if it's better so I, in PC, but like that is a very is. non unpleasant way of of spending my time is like scooting these different like uh, pieces of equipment between the two characters and seeing what everybody has picked up and trying to remember who had what and then resorting by recency and like that that part is not working for so, me. So two things I want to mention. One, and I don't know if this is really going to make things much better, but I have heard that the patch that'll come out when the game hits PS5 will include better controller support overall. I don't know if that means inventory specifically or what, but I think it will make some of these aspects a little bit better. Thing two, I agree with you 100% about the inventory. Even despite that, I think it's still way more engaging to play in a controller because just moving around the characters through the world, like using an analog stick to like walk your characters versus like clicking to move them around just feels like I'm moving actual characters and not like I'm a god, you know, overlooking No, I, I think that I'm agreeing. Yeah. But I wish that like as a, like part of that had been because it's not as easy. Like I, I I was at my computer right, so I could have like switched switching between controller and keyboard. It's really cool because it, it the entire UI changes. Yeah, yeah, like amazing. everything changes to an extent where I was in a trade window and I was like loading up the garbage that I had picked up, um, which is also like still way too annoying. Um, and on, uh, and it like reset the trade I was doing. Like I put all my items back when I switched from controller to keyboard. Like it started the whole thing over because it's literally like remapping even that UI, even the trade window UI. It completely redoes it when you're on keyboard versus controller. Yeah, um, it's a I just pretty- I just want to say, team mouse and keyboard. Uh, I feel like that omniscient perspective is better on mouse and keyboard. Like I, I think that um, a CRPG, especially one as like big and rich as Baldur's Gate three is, like I, I like the feeling of moving around my little guys uh, from from this, you know, very uh, god godlike perspective. I mean, you can you can pull the camera back on a controller all the way and like yeah. be an overhead view. I, I think the controller. I think the fact that they got this shit working on a controller at all is miraculous i think that that's a lot of stuff but again larian has like i played um divinity original sin 2 on switch and it worked great i'm i'm curious to hear juice because you you don't usually like crpgs right like i feel like you've talked about trying to do like divinity and you thought you were gonna play this for like an hour or two and be like peace i'm curious like what what it what you think it is that is Oh, uh, it's it's easy. It's it's I mean, first of all, it's all extremely well done. I mean, it's just like it's just like really, really good. But I would say that for me, the amount of D&D understanding that I bring to it made like those extremely dense windows and all the things you have to learn. um, It lowered that barrier for me because I have like a basic understanding of I mean, as listeners of the Adventure Zone will tell you, not a great understanding but like a basic understanding of Dungeons and Dragons and and the way the roles work and what the different stat stat high yeah. uh, mean and stuff like that. I wish, oh man, that's another thing that is irritating about controller. It is, I wish it was easier to figure out what like a status means. <laughs> like there was these, uh, these turrets that were sturdy. Yeah. And as I understand it, I think sturdy means that any damage under 10 damage doesn't, doesn't count yeah oh i, didn't I had know to that. look that up on internet because i kept like hitting these turrets and sometimes i would just just demolish them and sometimes it would be zero sturdy and it's like I don't, what does that mean like why is it what does that mean sturdy? i guess you can inspect them you can inspect anything yeah so on on mouse and keyboard you just hover your mouse over something and hit t it brings up this inspect window and then like you know i move my mouse cursor over sturdy and a pop-up explains all yeah that. there like, is, there is an inspect window on controller as well i've never used it and i didn't know that about sturdy i did uh come upon a sturdy wall and i had a similar consequence where i was just like oh damn that's just really strong so i just threw grenades at it and it blew up it's so, an, it's it's that uh I, I mentioned that only because it is imperative that you do that shit because especially i'm in act two now you will run across some real bad boys who have yeah. some unique mechanics that are not present in the rest of the game 
that if you do not <laughs> clock them and find out what they do with those mechanics, you are going to get fucking shadracked. Um, yeah. So so use that as much as you can. Uh, talking about the power curve a little bit, um, something I really dig about this is that when you're when you do get those slightly more powerful abilities, there's a tier at which like. If, if if things go your way, you are really, really dangerous. Like it, do, it doesn't scale in the way of like, well, I know you cast uh fire out of your hands, but this guy's like really tough. So he only took like two damage. A lot of times, even if somebody's like a, a, a big bad, if you set someone on fire with your hands, like it's there, it's not going to go good for them. Yeah, like they yeah. are going to take a lot of damage from that. And that works both ways. Right. Which really ups the stakes. <laughs> like you're not just going to run your tank into a group of people and like, eh, they'll be fine. That's a tank. They could take a bunch of hits. Like pretty much anybody you get, you get a good, you know, a good roll on them and, and you're going to be able to like or, put them or down. Pretty one easy. good shove. Yeah, it's right, really exactly. all it takes sometimes. Yeah, I think they are smart about uh, soft. As you progress these characters, it kind of like takes the edge off some of the like really bad roll stuff where if you roll like a one or a two, it doesn't count as like a critical miss, stuff like that. But it requires like leveling up. I just like the fact that, you know, the most D&D moments are like, could I do this? And you can like I was fighting a bunch of like super huge spiders and the spiders are like chilling on their web. Uh, and I ch- was able to shoot the web out from under them and they fell and took like 44 damage. And it was like, I fully, fully killed Carlac doing that. Oh no. <laughs> I fully fucking, I dropped Carlac by shooting a web that her and a spider was on and they both fell into a different world. Like they fell into the underdark. There was a loading screen. <laughs> what? And when the load was done, Carlac had passed away, sadly. In the underdark? Yeah. Oh my God. That's fucking amazing. It's so I- good. I do. I mean, okay. I have another. This is again my personal experience. I started with this warlock. The first character that I brought with me was Shadowheart, who's a cleric, and that was my party for a good amount of time. And that was not an easy duo to oh. try to navigate the wilds with. Because so it was I did just not... you, your main character, and Shadowheart for like hours, basically. Yes, and it was just me and Shadowheart, and I was really in a bad way because like. The, and and I don't know. I mean, again, it's pulling direct from D and D rules, but I do think it's tough early on when you don't have a big party and like your characters can't do the the spellcasters feel really limited, yeah, because of the slots and like when you're up again, like needing to do some damage to people, you could be in a situation where it's just like I have nothing, like I don't I don't have anything for you, right? And it does feel a little bit imbalanced that Carlock can you know, do attack and frenzied attack turn after turn after turn and just do tons of damage. And like these spellcasters are very much like, uh, uh, you know, ineffectual a lot of the time. Right. But I would say like, I think spellcasters way more useful when it comes to like anything uh, else, anything else. So non-combat stuff, whether it's persuasion or whether you're like, do like casting charm on someone or something like that. Like, they have very powerful spells. I almost never use their prepared spell slots for that stuff, the like super powerful high damage stuff. It's all like turn invisible or like feather fall or whatever it is yeah, to be I like think utility. What you're casters. describing is why party makeup is important. Right? Yeah, very, like, very I, much. I, yeah. You still do get into situations where it's like, I need to, I need to fight my way through this. And yeah. um, you could just not be able to you know you just don't have it because you don't have anybody who can actually do damage now that i have carlock in my party it's the three of us now and that's that's uh a lot easier yeah um because you know she's a barbarian and she's like doing a lot of damage. so i uh i've really tr- been trying to like not say anything to my wife who's playing uh she's like a little bit behind me and but she gets i mad when you distract her well it, it's mostly just like she doesn't want my pro tips which i totally get i understand What's wrong with her man uh, your pro tips are so good, but she you was playing for so like many games. She was playing for seven hours and only had two people like you. And and I watch her and she's like going into a fucking spider den. And I know how hard that spider den was with four people, let alone just two. And it's kind of crazy because you can. I mean, as I did, like within the first five hours, I had a full party. I know it depends on where you walk, but yeah. like 
Where are these people? I'll go they're, back and get them. They're very <laughs> early on. There are two people that you somehow completely missed that are like within spitting distance of like the first place you land in in the wilderness. So, so sh- are they waiting for me? They yes. are just waiting. They're so sad, Juice. Both of them will Can have a cutscene if you get in within spitting distance of them. Can I get back there for them? Yeah, go back. Yeah, there. man. There was somebody else with me on that boat, the uh, squid boat. Yeah, yeah. At yeah, the yeah. beginning, yeah, yeah. There was actually somebody three. else up there. There's actually three party members that you've somehow missed. I don't know how you pulled it off. It's this wild. is a bug. I think you're talking about a huge no. complaint for this game. It's this not, is a problem. It's not a problem. This is a problem. If you were more <laughs> thorough about inspecting the environment. <laughs> I have eight hit points. If I fall over a shell, <laughs> I can fall over a sharp shell and die. I was being really careful. Um, this is all great. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it, Juice. I'm totally in love with it. I, I in... don't know if I am going... I'm Okay, I'm currently at an inflection point oh. where I've really enjoyed the time that I've I've put into it. I don't know if I'm going to like in if, if I didn't do anything if I didn't do this show basically or anything else like I I think I would definitely just like keep focused on this um but I don't know if I'm going to like stick th- it seems like such a big time commitment I don't I feel like I'm kind of at a point now where I can step away from it and still have a you know a decent idea of what it is but yeah. I'm I'm kind of on the fence Russ Russ pointed out uh, I I I am I am having the most fun playing this game. I, I can't stop thinking about it. I want to spend all my free time playing it. Uh, I am worried about leaving it and coming back to it mm. just because your my journal has at any point 60 fucking quests and little stories and shit happening at any time. Uh, it's about to get a little dicey games release-wise, by yeah. which I mean there's some, like Starfield's out, in a few weeks, that's wild. That's not gonna. That's not gonna go great for me. Uh, I f- I am worried about this game either sucking up all the oxygen in the room or like me having to make some very difficult decisions about how to divide up my you know admittedly pretty limited free time. Sama de amigo, party central. <laughs> I mean, huh. say no more. I mean, I'm pretty yeah, stoked for that game. It's gonna get spicy. I. Don't know I I think I'm going to try to, I mean, I'm at the beginning, essentially the beginning of act two and maybe uh, I'm going to try to beat act two and then take a break, but you're right. It'll be really hard to like remap my brain to remember like who's good at what and what items I have and stuff like that. Trine five colon. Yes, we're still making them. That's coming out August 31st. There is no Tron five. Trine five. Oh, Trine, 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 Trine. 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 I'm flaunt. Welcome to Trine. It's in a computer. <laughs> Trine, save me. My plate fell. I tried to throw my plate, Trine. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll talk briefly about D&D when we come back. And also we have a bunch of very good reader mail questions. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so... You know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. 
You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details. And all of a sudden, they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Wait, I have a very important question for you, Russ Frushtick. Oh, boy. It's context I need. Dungeons and Dragons, where are you at? What does that mean? How how much Dungeons and Dragons have you played? Oh, very, very little. That's very one little. of the more shocking things. You know well, what I mean? Because I'm Doesn't nerdy. It it's heartbreaking. Like, yeah. It, it, see, I need to have friends also. That's like the other aspect. You need to be oh, a nerd right, and have friends. I forgot. You know, if you tap into Start Playing, it's a, a, a new uh, service that helps you find people. Uh, start Playing Games will let you um, uh, find a, a party online. You can meet up with people that way. I think we're jumping ahead. We've partnered with them to do some stuff. FCC, please. I'm, please, please I'm FCC. so sorry for my brother, FCC. I'm so <laughs> sorry. FTC, also, I don't know if you give a shit about that kind of stuff. I'm just mentioning it. It's a good service. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, it it'd be useful. Story. Anyway, so you're not bringing a lot of context. Well, I, I so I, I, the first time I played D&D was in college. Well, actually, I didn't even play D&D in college. I played Cyberpunk Red in college. And I did like one campaign and had a blast with it, but it was really just one campaign. And then the first time I played D&D proper was like early 2000s. Chris Plant and his like college buddies had a game and I was in that. And that was a lot of fun, but... But again, I don't even know what version of what D&D that name? was. It certainly wasn't 5e. What so was your character's name? What was my character's name? Yeah. You got to remember. Yeah, oh. no, you remember. If you say you don't, you're lying. All I remember, honestly, all I remember is that I made a guy that was basically Yosemite Sam, who was like a drug addict, who was like obsessed right. with collecting like ore. And so anytime I'd walk into a room and there was ore in the room, I would drive everyone else in the party nuts because I would just raise a head and grab it regardless of the situation. <laughs> Rock and stone. And it turns <laughs> out that like people don't like it when you role play like that, like yeah. to the extreme of role playing, which I was doing. Uh, mm. People got kind of upset. Um, so sorry, those people. But I was just being true to the character. What was your guys? When did, what was like the first time you ever ours played? Is, ours has been chronicled oh, really? inside and out. Yeah, it's called the Adventure Zone. No, but like that was that you had never played D anD D before the Adventure uh, Zone. I played like once in college okay. before then, but like I mean, I I I bring a lot. Like I I have always done. I've never done D anD D as a game master, so there's a lot of or dungeon master, so there's a lot of stuff in the systems that I've just never engaged with. So yeah, I, like I understand things like being a wizard pretty well. Sure. I understand you know the classes that I have played decently ish. But um, I, this is certainly like, I mean, unparalleled <laughs> if for understanding like all uh, the different systems. It's just like all of it without the math, pretty much. What, what I think the game has done most brilliantly and what's funny is I would leverage the same sort of uh, uh, respect towards the Dungeons and Dragons movie that just oh, came I still out. haven't seen uh, that, but I'm dying oh, to see it now. Oh, fucking hell, man. I'm so it's excited so about good. It. Great. It, the like... Dumb shit that you get up to at the table in the same way that the movie kind of recreates that a lot uh, with the like dumb decisions that the characters make that pan out and, you know, get them into high adventure hijinks. I feel like the game does that so much. Um, but Justin mentioned Carlac, the barbarian is like this damaged powerhouse. 
I don't use her right a lot of the time in battle because she is also, I have a little thing in my campaign I call Carlax Delivery Service. And that's if my, um, my, my you know, swordsman needs to get up close and personal with a bad guy, but is maybe a little too low on the ground to get up there himself. Oh, Carlac, give him a boost up there because Carlac <laughs> can throw any fucking thing pretty far. Uh, I have filled Carlac's inventory with throwable items as well. And she has uh, uh, equipment on that boosts her throwing damage. So some turns she'll get in there. She'll use her rage. She'll do her barbarian shit. But sometimes... She's getting people where she they can need to go. Can you use them as a missile? Can you use your, your fellow players as when a When you're raging, weapon? you can pick up an enemy and throw the enemy at another enemy or a friend. You could do that, I guess. I suppose. Awesome. Shouldn't do that. Not ideal. Um, but the the number of just goofy things that I have been able to do uh are with with the just systems in this game are staggering and it all i've never had any idea that i had that i was not able to achieve in some manner uh and that is that's just magic man i will say the one critique i have about Baldur's gate 3 that i feel like is not the case in um traditional D is i have my dedicated like talking person right gail is like fucking maxed out and persuasion all sorts of other stuff like that there are moments where you like don't know that you're going to start talking to someone because yeah. a cutscene just starts and the person that like happens to be the one you're controlling at that very moment ends up being the talking one and i kind of wish that there was an option to be like hey yo you should actually be talking let me to talk guy. let me pass you know what's really great though is sometimes i do wander into a conversation with carlac and then yeah. it's like and carlac sucks shit at that but it's I mean, kind of amazing though it's kind of hysterical <laughs> to me this idea of like the face didn't go in first yeah so yeah, instead yeah. you get carlac <laughs> and that never goes good for the party it almost always results in a fight but like i i feel like respecting that no that's true result is like a really great thing that this game and few others can actually do that is true um i want to ask just to close this part out uh like what is the like quickest way if you have a group of people that are interested what is the like go here and start a game of D&D like if you if you have a group that's interested just get one of the D&D starter kits and just yeah. have the person who's DMing it have the book in front of them reading from it and that like just does a lot of the like heavy lifting of what they need yeah, to keep track of and it's and then it's like you can do your own shit oh that's literally what we did with adventure zone is that's how i did the first episode and then we just did our own thing off of that but that first step is always the hardest and yeah. scariest and you can i make it man i still kind of feel like it's not the best place to start even if you're getting into it from the, like if you're if you're getting a bunch of people who have never played together before and there's zero experience i would probably pick a game that's a little bit e lighter lift um yep. stuff like quest or some of the one sheet rpgs like um uh, Lasers and Feelings and stuff like that. Uh, John Harper's Lasers and Feelings, stuff like that, I, I think would be a better place to start just getting into the groove of playing together and the whole idea of like the creativity and the f vibe and making it a fun space for people. I, I mentioned Start Playing as like a kind of a goof, but uh, if you go to startplaying.games, they have a bunch of like DMs that you can hire. Um, you can also like join games that people are doing online. Um, so either way, if you have, that might be a really good option too, to like pay a GM to help you and your group either learn a game or get through it. What, um, what is that website called? It's a start playing is what it is. Start playing dot games, but you can go there and, and like Griffin said, we do, we do work with them, but I, it's, it's an honest recommendation. They're not paying me to do this specific right. <laughs> recommendation. I'm just saying it's a good service. Cool. Uh, okay, we have some reader mail that I'm going to read through now. Uh, this first one comes from Adam. Uh, I absolutely adore Baldur's Gate 3. CRPGs are my jam, and I love how this game really captures the magic of D&D experience, and it got me thinking about the heyday of Dungeons & Dragons games in the late 90s and early 2000s, specifically Neverwinter Nights and its ability to for players to create their own completely custom modules. My question yeah. is, do you think it's possible, and if so, a market to develop a CRPG with a tool set to allow the that level of user-created content, or has that ship sailed? I know Neverwinter Nights has an enhanced edition released a few years ago, but it really shows its age, not to yeah. mention using a 20-year-old rule set. 
love the show. Wish you all the best. Thanks, Adam. So I, I think the question is basically, is it possible for like modding tools to be integrated into Baldur's Gate 3 or Absolutely. something that is that complicated, I guess? Are they not already? I honestly assumed that they were. Uh, well, I guess the question is like, does Divinity Original Sin have like user campaigns? Yes. It, it had a it, so Divinity Original Sin two had a like DM mode, right? But you were still going through, you were still going through the set campaign. You couldn't like, you know, do, uh, like new maps. No, I like believe that. that the GM mode let players create and 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 control the environments. It looks like the quote on uh, BG three from Larian is that they won't have any sort of DM creation tools, but there'll be like post launch mod support. Right. Um, I, I, I do think though, like this has been, uh, it feels like enough of a phenomenon right now that like it, if they could resell it with that, I think that is not an impossibility. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's, this is based on nothing other than like, a lot of people seem to be into it. Yeah. yeah. If they wanted to do a re-release, you know, Game of the Year edition or whatever, it seems like a, a, a way to get people to buy it again. I was also going to mention, uh, it's, it's not D&D, but it is pretty damn close to D&D. Uh, Wildermyth is a game that was specifically designed to do exactly what you're talking about, which is the whole campaign system can be created from the ground up with you writing all the text and creating classes and doing whatever you want, placing enemies so if you're okay with it not being formally D&D, Wildermyth is an excellent option. It's on Steam, and it rocks. I also want to give a shout-out to the Neverwinter MMO uh, that had, a that had like, GM mode support. It was, like, an MMO that you could also make your own custom, like, quests and campaign lines uh, that players could play and get experience and treasure and shit, which is was such a, like, staggeringly awesome idea for a for an MMORPG. Um, yeah, man, I, it feels like I honestly, with, with the tools that are out there, like, uh, roll 20 and what's the other one? Arm armory, I think is another one, uh, that are like online RPG tools. Like it feels like it would not be that difficult to sort of make one of those into a, I don't know, video game, like proper video game format. Who knows? That's well above our pay grade, I think. We have another question unrelated to D&D. This comes from Mike. A time loop puzzle game should be 100% my jam, but despite repeated effort uh, attempts, I can't seem to commit to Outer Wilds. Can you give me some tips for sticking with it? Yeah, so Justin, you still haven't really gotten into Outer Wilds, right? Oh, I mean, I that's a that's a very charitable way of putting it <laughs> yeah you hate, you hate it my, my advice because i was in this boat where i it couldn't click for me is very simple go to the moon there is a moon that circles the starting planet land on the moon and the moon itself is i think was designed for it to be like the starting location for all of the like mysteries that come out of that and what helped me grip onto it was just like chasing down the little threads that you find on the moon and then following them through there. It was able to like wet my feet into the rest of the game without feeling like, oh shit, I have nine planets I can go to and they're all like overwhelming and crazy. So that would be my advice. Uh, obviously, I think it's totally worth it because I think it's one of the best video game experiences I've ever had. But I also realize that it can be a very steep learning curve to get into it you know the game may not be for you there are lots of games in this genre that are great like uh minute and zero escape and sexy brutal and uh what was the one that was like a timed oh forgotten city is oh yeah that was fun. awesome De um, you're doing what i was gonna do like death loop uh is, death is a really good not one 12 um, minutes 12 minutes is not a bad game <laughs> but, um, but like there's a lot several of, of those other ones are are uh, quite good. Majora's Mask, <laughs> if you want. Um, okay, we have... The Zero Escape games are great, man. Fuck God, yeah, those man. are good. They had a new one of those lately? Uh, well, I mean, they had that, uh, whatever it is, Labyrinth, oh, Rain Code, Master Detective Archives, Rain so Code. It's so hard to like, track this thing anymore. 
Zero Time Dilemma in 2016 was the last like actual one. So kick ass. Okay, one last question before we uh, wrap. Uh, this comes from Taylor M. Hi, besties. Love the show, and I got a question for y'all. Has anyone returned to Pokemon Sleep? I have found it actually helping me make sure I get a good night's rest and be more regular about my bedtime patterns. Has anyone felt the same way? I haven't actually played bed, uh, Pokemon Sleep. Has anyone else? I've never heard of it. I have no idea what that is. It's Griffin? a sleeping game. No, I haven't played it. Listen, gang, I, I love Pokemon. I don't, but... I don't need them to help me sleep. Mm. I have I have other tools that I use for that, I suppose, but I don't understand why I don't understand what why I need to involve them in the process. I don't involve um, you know, hot dogs when I exercise. I love hot dogs, but there's a time and a place for them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it seems weird to me to incorporate Pokemon into my Ca- counterpoint into my sleep. Counterpoint. Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff. I mean an ASMR Griffin, tender rendition sleep, of Jigglypuff, me, Jigglypuff on my Calm app would be. I'll watch something. over you all night. I'm Jigglypuff. Um. I and there's eight hours been, of that. So yeah. It's like, wake up. And then, like, towards the, in the last hour, Jigglypuff's like, time to get pumped. Come to work those muscles. Let's fuck up the day together. <laughs> Come on, Griffin. Let's go. Um, I, I will say I've been playing. A, uh, I've been doing some more, you know, walking around the neighborhood trying to get my steps in. And I've been playing a lot more Pokemon Go. And that game is still good. The end. Of my the end. Uh, do we have any honorable mentions real quick before we wrap? Yo, you got to read this book called Wool. If you've seen advertised to you, uh, a, there's a TV series on one of the streaming services that's part of this franchise that I'm not, it's based on this book series uh, uh, that I'm not going to plug because the ongoing stray actions, but the book Wool uh, is part of the Silo series and it is. Uh, fantastic. It's about a uh, a silo deep in the ground where uh, everything outside the silo is um, a blasted landscape in an uninhabitable by humans. And they have forged a new society in the silo. And the one rule of the silo is you can never express a desire to go outside. And if you are, you're forced outside to clean the cameras that the silo uses to like watch the outside world. Uh, and that's how you're sent to your death. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that happens after that, but that's sort of like the, the, the setting of it. Um, and it's sort of a story about uh, a woman named Jules uh, being named the sheriff and not necessarily wanting to go along with the way things have always been uh, run, but it is absolutely gripping uh, start to finish. There's more books in the series that I'm excited to read. Um, but it's called Wool, and you should read it. Cool. Um, I've been playing, actually finished playing the original Legend of Zelda on my original NES hardware with the original cartridge that I've had for 30 years. That's wild. What, what prompted that? Uh, I'm kind of doing like a Zelda replay thing, and I played through Minish Cap and loved it, and it had been a while since I played the original Zelda, and I wanted to see if I could beat it without looking anything up. And it's kind of amazing how much my brain remembers, like, bomb this fucking random wall in the middle of nowhere because I know there's a heart piece in there or, like, light this bush on fire because I know there's a dungeon in there. Like, I was actually able to get through it. I, you know. So between the Zelda replay and 45 hours of Baldur's Gate 3, are you comfortable with your son's memories of you being more of just like a blur, like a general shape? Like <laughs> Zelda, a in my defense, shape? Zelda, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of did it uh, on, on, on the move while he was sleeping, so no worries there. <laughs> um, I also wanted to call out a movie called Brigsby Bear, which came out a few years ago. Have you guys seen this movie? Oh, my God. There's a... Like an SNL tie-in, right? It's like yeah. So Kyle Mooney, Kyle Mooney wrote it. I don't think he. I forget if he directed it, but he definitely wrote it. Um, the less you know about it, the better. But while Justin was talking about wool, it actually rang a lot of bells. It's basically a, a guy who's living in like a, an apocalypse bunker with his parents. His parents are uh, played by uh, Luke Skywalker. What's his name? Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill, whose name I blanked out on. Um, uh, and another uh, woman who plays uh, his mom. And um, I just can't really say anything Claire else. Claire Danes? Beyond... What? 
Wait, was it Claire Danes was his mom? No, Claire Danes was not his mom. Pretty Spoilers, sure, yeah. Don't, don't even look at the cast, but Claire Danes was not his mom. Um, Greg Kinnear's in it, by the way. Uh, anyway, it's it's on Hulu. Remember streaming. Greg Kinnear? Don't know fucking Mark <laughs> Hamill and Claire Danes. Greg Kinnear, we don't even let work anymore. Greg Kinnear's not a lot of movies anymore. He's he's still doing good work. Um, are you are you talking about Wipe of Genius? Is a movie about the guy who invented windshield wipers and his protracted cork battle. <laughs> a real movie starring Greg Kinnear. Anyway, Breaking to Be Bear is great. Uh, and very unexpected and tonally very unexpected. Like, there's really not a lot of analogs to it. But I think if you like um, things from the Daniels, for example, the the guys who directed uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, you will find a similar experience here. So definitely check it out. I don't really have anything else I can talk about. Okay. Griffin lives an empty life. Uh, We wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Zach the Third, Nettie Roosevelt, and Seasick Fish. Thank you for writing reviews for the Besties on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for subscribing to the newsletter, which is at besties.fan if you haven't done that yet. Just a reminder, we sometimes give out free codes for games. We uh, recap a lot of the stuff we talked about. Pant was on this episode. He usually takes better notes than I do, so we'll try to be thorough, but we'll see how it goes. Um... And uh, no, it's great. It's definitely worth uh, subscribing. And there's a really great community of people that are in the mix. We also get our questions from there now. So if you want to ask us questions for the reader mailbag, that's the place to do it. Besties.fan. Next week, I think we are doing a grab bag episode, which is the last one for a while because we're about to enter the shit zone that is the game release season. So that's a very negative... <laughs> way of describing the, the, i guess it's as somebody who's full-time in the in the world it is a, a bit more of a, a headache it's a nice shit zone out. it's a yeah, creatively it's a shit engaging shit zone do you guys um, have any idea what you're gonna play just to give you in case they want to check it out i think i'm gonna look at um stray gods it's a, a musical uh adventure game that was just released on steam uh, i have enormous amounts of things to say about blasphemous 2 which i'm pretty oh, sure yeah. i can talk about starting next week so look forward to that might dip into uh sea of stars if that's oh will that be out by the time let me see i think we are actually planning a dedicated episode to sea of stars oh are we okay well Um, did you guys ever play remnant 2 no or remnant i never played remnant one so Uh, remnant two you might dig griff it's like a it's it's kind of soulsy but with guns yeah yeah Um, yeah we played it on resties and talked about it on resties and had kind of a miserable time but i would say the response has been so good i know i think we just didn't have the like proper guide to lead us through the experience because we were getting very stuck on very early game things. Like, imagine if you were playing Dark Souls 1 without any guidance and you just get kept getting housed. I think that was probably our experience in playing it. I so what happened to me. I hear it's very good. You'd like it, Griff. I think, I think it'd be worth checking out if you need a break. A palate cleanser. Cool, we did it. Yeah, good. All right, be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends get the world's best games? Steve.